Hey, thanks for joining me again here on the American Liberty Podcast. I'm Kevin Warmerhold. Before I go on and introduce my guest, I want you to hit that subscribe button, whether you're listening to this on YouTube, um, sorry, on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Radio Public, Anchor.fm, anything that you listen to this on, subscribe to the show. It's free. It doesn't cost you anything. Uh, also, if you're watching this because you subscribe to the YouTube channel, you don't need to subscribe, but if you need to subscribe, this is your first time watching it on YouTube, hit that little bell on the bottom of the screen and subscribe to the podcast. Um, this is a great platform. I have great guests. I don't want you to miss anything, so just hit that button, make comments, uh, give a rating on if you're listening on the audio versions on the platform, give it a show a rating. Let me know if, I'm, uh, if I need to do anything to improve the show. Today's guest is James Pace from the Pace and Freedom Podcast. He operates out of San Diego, California. Uh, in the words of Ron Burgundy, San Diego. So, um, yeah, so he's here joining me talking about uh, some libertarian issues. Uh, we discuss the border. We discuss uh, tribalism, labels, a whole bunch of issues. And uh, we went on for a long time, and it was a great discussion. And I also recommend, if you do not subscribe to the Pace and Freedom podcast, do it right now uh, after, obviously, you listen to this one. So uh, thank you for joining me, and without further ado, I give you James Pace. All right, uh, we're live here on American Liberty. I am joined today by James Pace of the Pace and Freedom podcast. He is a Navy veteran out of San Diego. Welcome to the show, James. How are you doing out there? It's going. Thank you for having me. It's uh, sunny as usual. I miss that sun, man. I was stationed out in Pendleton, so I know the San Diego weather is the best in the world. Oh, it is. All hands It's kind of hard, hard to beat, definitely. Yeah. Instead, I decided to come back to New York to this overcrowded, <laughs> overtaxed, uh, miserable place to live <laughs> where, where you're stepping on each other to get to work and, and go about your day. Everybody's right. more important than you. It's, it's, I, I don't know why I would leave San Diego, the best weather in the world. Know, but it's best so, weather, best everything. Yeah, yeah. So Except I, for the taxes. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I think I'm right there with you on taxes. California and New York are just destroying the, their citizens with taxes. Um, so I, I noticed last weekend uh, you were talking about uh, how you couldn't do an episode because you are drilling. Uh, actually, hold on a second. Before we get to that, I have to. I don't do this often, but today I'm actually wearing a shirt here uh, from my buddy. But we just had a golf outing for one of my buddies who uh, ended up uh, uh, passing in Afghanistan. It's a yearly golf outing in New Jersey. Uh, my buddy Tyson came in from uh, Georgia, from Savannah, Georgia, beautiful place. And his boss, uh, I want to give a shout out to Chase. He's the general manager of uh, Synthus in Savannah, Georgia. Made these shirts up for our golf team, Marine Corps emblem. And you know, so shout out to him. I promised a shout out. And uh, thank you very much for these shirts. These shirts worked out good. I still sweated my ass off and played like crap. Um, but uh, back to you. Uh, all right. So uh, you're a Navy veteran, San Diego. Uh, you were drilling last weekend, so your uh, yeah, podcast yeah. got put on hold. So tell, tell tell me a little bit about your Navy career and uh, living in San Diego. Absolutely. So I served uh, 14 years in the Navy as active duty. Um, I've been stationed uh, out of Everett, Washington, 
Great Lakes. I was an instructor there at the uh, the uh, Navy Training Center, and uh, then I came to San Diego uh, and finished out two commands out here. And then I just decided that it was kind of my time to get out and spend more time with family. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I'm out. I decided to stay in the reserves, and I still drill once a month and do my thing. Well, I was stationed in uh, uh, Camp Pendleton, not too far from San Diego, like I said. And, uh, yeah, I did my four years, and I said no. But I, I, I commend you for staying in and doing uh, your your reserve duties and serving your country. So thank you very much. Um, thank you. So your new podcast, Pace and Freedom, tell me a little bit about that. And how did you decide, like, listen, I need to get into this podcast world and, and talk about libertarianism and, and liberty and freedom? Absolutely. So I, uh, I tried several times to get a podcast started and they weren't very successful. Uh, then I decided, you know, one of the things I've noticed about the Libertarian Party that we're, you know, we're not really good at is winning over hearts and minds. Uh, we tend to kind of stick with our own idea and uh, kind of push everybody else out like everybody's wrong. Everybody just doesn't know what they're talking about. They're uneducated and we're not going to win people over that way. So one of the things that I've learned from, I guess, the military mainly is we're, we're this melting pot of ideas, of uh, beliefs. And a lot of my views changed in the military. Uh, before being a libertarian, I was a neocon uh, and... It's just through meeting different people, meeting different cultures um, and different perspectives of life, uh, it changed me uh, quite a bit to where I started having more and more of a libertarian idea. And I think it was back in 2012, uh, I really how the two-party system was working mm -hmm. and uh, how it was just this almost a reality show entertainment it mm -hmm. wasn't they, neither side had a uh, I guess the best interest of the people and so I started doing some research and I found the Libertarian Party uh, I think Gary Johnson ran that time as well 2012 right, and yep. uh, you know I didn't like everything uh, that he, he was about uh, his solutions for a lot of the issues, but it got me to the point where I could do a lot more uh, research into the Libertarian Party, and I was it just kind of all fell into place for me. Uh, as the years went by, I just couldn't see why people couldn't see the same thing I saw in the Libertarian Party. Like this is the party, you know, is the party of the future. It's the party that you know. That kind of it's part of the future, but it's the party also that has the the founding fathers like foundation, um, and so after a while, I noticed that conflict of us libertarians not being really accepting of other people, and my podcast, I guess, is kind of a platform to kind of I guess try to win over minds and hearts from different um, spectrums of political views. Mm -hmm. And my goal is to try to bring, you know, if you're, I don't like using 
labels in my podcast, and I'll explain a little bit more into that uh, why. But I'm trying to bring liberals, neoliberals, neoconservatives into the podcast and have these discussions. And maybe without using the labels, they can realize that a lot of us have the same um, idea or the same wants of liberty. It's just we feel like that this need to have to force it onto other people. Uh, if you look, for example, at the left, they feel that, you know, we should force the right to believe in uh, abortion or believe in open borders or believe in, you know, whatever, uh, gay marriage, whatever else the, the left might believe in. And the right feels the need to force the left to believe in everybody needs to have a gun, everybody needs to uh, fight the war on drugs, everybody needs to um, whatever the case may be, right? And just realize that we all have our kind of views, but we shouldn't be forcing um, these ideas onto one another. Kind of just mind your own business, don't take away from your neighbor, and um, work together. A couple of things you uh, said. First off, uh, the idea of labels, I, I, I don't like labels as well. And I think it's a great uh, point that you bring up. When you label somebody, okay, like uh, somebody, co somebody commits a petty crime, okay, steals something, makes a mistake, whatever the case that led him to doing that, you label him a criminal. How is he going to re-enter society when everybody says, oh, that guy's a criminal, he got arrested. Right. Listen, he made it, you know, so labels could actually hurt society overall and you can see it now between the democrats and the republicans they just label each other as evil uh terrible people and then they're attacking each other and nothing's getting done another thing is uh being open to others and this tribalism mentality where you know like it falls in with the whole label thing if you are a republican you must hate democrats if you're a democrat you're supposed to hate the republicans and then there's no middle ground uh i personally you know in the last couple of years i got more involved with the Libertarian Party and became Libertarian. And, uh, you know, I've done work with the local affiliated party and went to the state convention and, and been really, you know, picking up and trying to spread the idea. But a couple of things I don't like is where people try to test your Libertarianism and how Libertarian are yes. you? Listen, if I'm, I, I say I'm about 80 to 85% Libertarian, about 65% Republican and about 50% Democrat. Like, you know, like, so like, that's right. basically how I, uh, I guess, grade myself. Um, you know, I don't have to belong to any party. Exactly. I be libert liberty and the libertarian ideas do not belong to the libertarian party. They belong to everybody. It's getting that information to the people. So you don't have to be 100% libertarian. I feel like if you're 100% anything, then you become radical in that idea. And then there's no changing or no um, compromise once that happens. So I, I agree with you, with the, especially with the labels idea. I feel that when you label somebody, you actually alienate a section of the population that could be helping you. Okay? Right. Um, we all have to work together. We all live in this society together. So if we are constantly labeling each other and fighting with each other, it's just going to drive everybody further apart, creating these tribal and, and you're going to see the fall of the country overall. Um, so I, I'm, I'm right with you on that. Well, and the other thing with labels, too, like, you know, I've noticed so far in the few episodes I've done so far on this podcast, 
because I don't use labels, I try to use as little as possible. I think I have in a couple episodes just kind of set a foundation of some, more, of some sorts. But for example, in the first episode, I had two guests and I didn't use any labels during that episode. And a lot of my listeners thought that the person, I'm not going to mention who was what, but the person that was normally a liberal, my conservative viewers or listeners thought that she was a conservative and mm. she's far from it. Right. And the opposite. And it's because we didn't use the labels. They were more open to listening to their ideas and views. Right. If you stick a label on somebody, they're going to say, I'm not even going to listen to him. He's a Republican. Exactly. Or, you know, and then therefore nothing gets accomplished. And you see in today's uh, where the information through social media and everything's flying so fast, it's it's just only increasing the speed and increasing the amount of labels. I mean, you see it all the time on Twitter. People like say some really sadistic shit on Twitter. And you're just like, what the hell is wrong with that guy? Like, right. You know, like, like what? You know, so, yeah, it's it's definitely a different world we live in. Now, the Libertarian Party itself, and, and this is this rolls right into the, the Libertarian Party. There is a, to me, because we're talking about being uh, how pure your libertarianism is when, you know, you talk to some lib libertarians within the party, they try to test you and like, you know, you know, that all shows that the party itself is not united under a single idea. I mean, you have like the anarchists, you have the socialists within the party, you have, and it, I understand because the platform is you're supposed to be able to, you know, have your ideas and feel the way you do and nobody should be able to force you to think otherwise. And I get that. But when you, that's an idea or uh, the, the idea of libertarianism as a party, in order to defeat the other two parties, you need to unite and take on those two parties. You know, right. I, I know I know it's the party of um, non-interventionism and non-aggression. I get that, and I'm on board with that. I don't think we should be doing uh, unjust wars and going overseas and just placing our troops everywhere and you know sending young people to die for politicians and and what they want, you know, because of their special interests and everything. I don't think that should happen at all. But when you're taking on these two massive parties with endless money, okay. You, you, you can't be passive aggressive in, in the ring of politics. You need to, you know, and the leadership is the cause of that. I am not happy with the leadership and how quiet it is within the party. Okay. Right now we have a 2020 election coming up of all the presidential candidates. And, I, and I've had uh, three on this podcast. I've had Adam Kokesh. I've had um, Tim Ruff and I had, uh, uh, what was the last one? I'm having a, brain fart at this moment but i've had three on so i had kokish i have oh and dan berman he's that's right because it hasn't come yeah. out yet it comes out <laughs> in two weeks so i've had dan berman on so those are the candidates right now can any of those candidates defeat any of the the democrat or republican you know nominee okay there's no nobody in the party's back in kim ruff and saying this is you know who we should be back in or nobody's bringing it and everyone's always looking to the outside like uh, for a while, they were talking about the Starbucks CEO, whether he should be the candidate. The guy's not a libertarian. He hates guns in the Second Amendment. Uh, you know, he has some ideas, I guess, with business from the business standpoint and uh, entrepreneurship and the free market. And he's cool with that. But 
he's he's not a libertarian. Why are we asking him to come in and run as a libertarian, where we have plenty of good talent? Uh, Larry Sharp is a great example. Unfortunately, I've already asked him. He said no, he's not running, uh, you know, for president. But you know, we need to tap into the talent we have and promote them. And the leadership, the face of the party, the chairman, needs to be in front of these cameras right now, and he's not. And I tweet about it all the time. And I actually been kind of tweeting and start. You know, Sarvark made a, you know, liked one of my tweets because I mentioned, like, are you going to do anything about this? Like, what are we doing? Get in front of the cameras. And, you know, he, right. he's not doing it. So leadership, where do you see the leadership of this party right now? Uh, I agree 100 percent. It's it's like radio silence and there's no guidance. There's no. And, you know, I get it. We're a smaller party. Uh, we probably don't have, I mean, a lot of people in in the party, it's not their main job. Uh, they have, you know, they have their day job and the politics of it is kind of their side job. Because if they focus only on running, campaigning, marketing, uh, they would be out in the streets. They wouldn't be able to pay the bills. So I get it. But if you and I, who also have full-time jobs and are able to just do something as a podcast or get on social media and make some noise that way, I think that's at least something. And we all know how great social media works for marketing. And it's cheap and quick, and you don't have to do much. So I kind of see it both ways you know they it might be that they just don't feel they have the time or it could be you know we don't we we don't know what we want as a party uh in general now uh, i mean I, I i see a lot of libertarians blame the fact that the media don't cover them and i get that the party itself the republicans and democrats raise a ton of money libertarian party doesn't really raise a lot of money what in like the off season you know what i'm saying like when right. they should be raising money and there's a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners that are libertarian but don't you know come out and run as a libertarian or say that li a lot of times they run as republicans or democrat right mostly republicans i think uh you know because they're more constitutionalists like with the conservative tea party movement uh with the like uh amash you know he's a libertarian and and paul uh rand paul you know, they're libertarians, but they ran as Republicans because they get the funding, the money. Right. The Libertarian Party needs to build the leadership to get out there and raise a ton of money because then you could actually take some of that money and invest it in the party by hiring and paying marketers and people to do jobs for the party right. rather than it always being volunteer. And, uh, you know, we talk a lot about volunteering, uh, how important being a volunteer as a libertarian is. We also talk about how important entrepreneurship and small businesses are. So we should use the model of the small business and entrepreneurship to hire the right people to bring the party forward and compete right. with these two juggernauts. You know, I think the key right now is to get in at the local level and get local people elected to build that foundation and the brand name at the local level because it's easier and cheaper to do so. But the leadership for the national should be out there fighting to say, hey, we're here. We're a legit right. party. Um, we, you know, I know Gary Johnson was a governor. Yes, but when he was governor, he was a Republican. We don't have a Repu uh, 
a libertarian governor. We don't have libertarian right. senators. We don't have libertarian state senators, and I don't think in other than a few states, if any. I don't even to be honest. I don't think there is any. So that's where we got to go. Uh, the impact nationally, I mean, it can make an impact nationally, I believe, at some point. But it, it all starts with the leadership, and the leadership, to me, right. has not done a great job. Um, and well, I think I think you're right. sorry not to interrupt. No, go ahead. we we do need to roll back a little bit, I guess. Um, and I've been saying this for a while, and I talked about it a little bit with um, Cash and uh, Cash Johnson. And, you know, we do need to try to elect more uh, at a local level and create that foundation. And with that, I mean, if we can win enough, just city councilmen, uh, mayors, uh, that alone, if we can just get several of those throughout every state, and show what we're about and show that we can be successful in those roles, I'll, that it will be a lot easier for people to say, okay, yeah, maybe I do want to donate into the Libertarian Party. We don't have any great examples for people to invest in. Um, you know, a, a really good one is here in, um, uh, what's it now? I have a brain fart. Um, the uh, city councilman in uh, Oxnard. Uh, the name will come to me eventually. We have a libertarian here in California, in Oxnard, and he's shown how well a libertarian can do. We're 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 really hardworking people. Uh, even you know when I was talking to Cash, his for his campaign, you know they did a lot to, to get him to the the, the spot that he was at um, to get him on the televised debate. You know, even though he only managed to get into one and then we got shut down by the other two major parties and it got they put several hurdles there. Mm -hmm. uh, but we, we were able to show how hard we could work to get that money to get us on the televised debate. We're, we're really hard working people. But we don't have enough examples for the public or for the, the, the average citizen to see and want to invest in us. So we got to get in front of the cameras. We got to exactly. get our best talent and get them out there. Like without question, I believe that uh, what Larry Sharp is doing now here in New York, he's still running all of the state, doing live events, speeches. He's on Twitter. He just started the Sharp way. Uh, it was Monday night was the premiere of that. He has right. guests come on. He is still going and he's promoting and he has a business model for his promote for his marketing basically and is working here because people are enrolling libertarian people pay a little bit more attention and he, and they're attracted to him because he's a great speaker and he knows how to interact and reach people and I think that's key that model and I asked him when I had him on are, could would you consider running to become the chairman and he said no because they don't pay and it doesn't you know because he has the he has family and he has to take care of bills like everybody else. So he can't do it. We need to find somebody that's in that position to get, you know, in, in front of the cameras and actually promote the brand and tell people that this is a legit party. And, um, right. you know, I mean, we have a convention coming up. I always see uh, that guy Smith just said that he's running for chairman again. It's always the same people, I feel like, that are at the top trying to, you know, it, there's not a lot of competition. We need to increase that. Uh, right. And 
podcast is the way to do that. What you're doing, um, you know, you're starting a new venture and you're trying to reach people. That's great. And we need to continue to spread that, have other people, you know, come on and, uh, you know, promote podcasts that promote liberty ideas. Um, so let's move on to uh, away from the Libertarian Party because that could, I, I could just talk about that for a very long time. And the problems I have with the uh, you know the you know the brand um, immigration. Okay, you're in San Diego. Okay, and we talked a little bit before the show, and you mentioned um, I guess you have some input here with the immigration debate. I would like to hear what you have to say about the immigration. Being a you're from you're in San Diego, so you're right there. Right. Absolutely. Uh, so I have more of a personal, I guess, experience with it. Uh, so my mom is uh, an immigrant uh, from Spain, and I married to my wife, who's an immigrant from Mexico. And I've noticed the struggles that they had to be able to work the immigration system, right? Uh, you know, the paperwork, the the bureaucracy, uh, the just the the cost of trying to get a green card is just unrealistic, complicated, and it gets more and more complicated uh, as time has come by. Since the time that my that my mom got her first green card like thirty years ago, to now me trying to you know me and my wife trying to get her green card, uh, we have her green card, but getting it all i guess going it's just it's a very complicated uh job uh the first time we applied for my wife's um green card because she was here on a visa uh you know i had to find a lawyer because the paperwork it was just so confusing i tried mm -hmm. to do that application by myself and i'm a i consider myself a very intelligent person uh you know i'm I've done. I've worked on weapon systems on a ship. I worked on radars. I worked on computer systems. So I, I consider myself a pretty knowledgeable and, and intelligent person. And I couldn't figure out the the dang applications, the 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 paperwork. It's just very complicated. Nothing makes sense. And so we had to try to find a lawyer to help us out with it. And luckily, you know, having certain military benefits, I was able to, you know get somebody to help us with it but this uh this second time around because we were under conditional terms for her green card for her uh, legal residency because we were just recently married doing the paperwork again i had to do it by myself because i cannot afford a lawyer to you know do this paperwork and it was funny because when we sent it in the first time you know it took them a month almost to send me the paperwork back just to tell me that it was filled out wrong and mm -hmm. that was the only explanation they had is filled out wrong filling mm -hmm. it out correctly they didn't tell me where i needed to fill it out correctly they didn't tell me what information was wrong nothing so that's that's so, the, bureau the bureaucracy of government and uh you know exactly creating enough stuff so they could create new jobs and say they you know created jobs the the complications done on purpose, okay? Right. It, it's a uh, it's you know, if anything, I uh, Cash Jackson kind of touches on this with the um, with the uh, the union for the lawyers and you know, I mean, think about it. They want 
you to have to pay and hire a lawyer to figure it out for you. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, if they could simplify it, just like the stupid tax code, they could simplify and put it on an index card now. They don't have to make all these stupid right. lines and deductions, and they could simplify the tax code, flat tax, put it on the card. You pay, everybody pays with 15%, no deductions, and be done with it. They right. cause the complications for a reason to benefit them, not to benefit you or me. And that's why, that's part of the reason why I want to be a libertarian because of the issue that there's so much government bureaucracy and overreach. It's it does doesn't end. So right. I I and I have a, a family member that went through similar issues with the, you know getting paperwork done, uh, you know, for his wife, and it, it took about a year and a half. He said. So I, 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 it's crazy, and it could be simplified. What's happening at the border right now, they could fix tomorrow by just hiring more immigration attorneys, sending them down there, and more judges to hear the cases. It's just backed up. They don't right. want to fix the problem because yeah. of political reasons. The Republicans want to keep the problem because then it, it allows them to build the wall, the Democrats want to keep the problem because then it gets called the Republicans racist and say, look, they want to build a wall and keep everybody right. out. They could all get together in Congress tomorrow and allocate the funds because they have the power of the purse mm -hmm. and get it done. So both Absolutely. parties, shame on you, Democrats right. and Republicans, they're both in this together. They're both, they, they both feed off of each other. They're both phonies. Okay? Right. So they could fix it. And as far as problem down in the border, I mean, thing is, the media, the mainstream media has over-exaggerated it. Right. Um, it's not really as big as the problem, as at least here from San Diego, I don't see it as big of a problem as they make it sound. And they, it's funny because every time I watch it on Fox News or CNN, it, they always are out here in San Diego shooting. Like, every scene that they have is out here in San Diego, it seems like. Right. And... I don't see a huge issue here necessarily. Um, I think most of the problem like is made up for the same reasons that you just described to get people that are on the left to vote Democrat and people on the right to vote Republican. Fear mongering. That's exactly. All uh, you know, both. And that's something that I, I really wish that people would see is that these two parties, these they they use the boogeyman to scare you into voting that way right. um if you actually just came out here to san diego for a perfect example you will see that there's not really a big issue down on the border um and a lot of the issues are created by government again because of the immigration system sucks because of drugs and uh drugs on uh, war on drugs um those are the problems that are causing the immigration issue and it's all caused by government. So by these two parties. Most and of the problems we have are caused by government. Exactly. Go I mean, gov gov just government just lies to you and says they can fix the problem that they create. Right. And then they just exactly. create a new problem. It keeps you dependent on them. It exactly. is all on purpose, which mm -hmm. is, you know, why, once again, I left, you know, because it, there needs to be a third option, a fourth option, fifth option, there needs to be more options. I mean, it's, it's, I make this point all the time is a communist country with one party, a single party ruling everything centralized to them 
Well, here you have only two parties with everything centralized to them. And they right. both want to protect the fact that nobody else can get involved. If I could, mm-hmm. you know, listen, I'll deal with the Democrats because as long as we don't have anybody else getting away, we'll just fight each other out. Fine. They always make backdoor deals all the time. Right. You know, they'll play in front of the cameras for their voting base, but back behind doors, they're sharing cups of coffee and, and you know, you're having briskets together and, you know, <laughs> whatever. They're, they're just hanging out and then they get in front of the cameras and it's like, oh, they're, they're worse. They're terrible. Right. It's all part of the game. That's why the two-party system is just as bad as the one-party system. Exactly. And, and it's, it's the longer we allow them to have that control, right. the worse and harder it's going to be to break the glass ceiling, if you want to call exactly. it. Um, one, th- one more thing about immigration. Um, yes. And I mean, there's studies about this and there's statistics. I don't have them in front of me, but I've done enough research on it. Uh, I talked about it a little bit in one of my episodes. And the thing is, a lot of the illegal, quote unquote, illegal immigration, and I just noticed that my camera is like super dark. So hopefully that's not a problem. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, will... I was going to say something. Uh, yeah, it looked a little dark, but. We'll deal with it. Okay. Um, well, we're, we're, I lost my train of thought. Okay. So, yeah, a lot of the illegal immigration, um, a lot of people are just here that they overstayed their visas, overstayed their uh, con- um, conditional green cards. Um, and it goes back to because the system keeps getting more and more complicated. Um, a lot of these people come in. And if they came in legally, they, they get jobs that don't pay a lot, and they're fine with that. They, you know, a, a lot of, uh, let's just, again, I, ha- I really hate labels, but let's just say, uh, uh, you know, most of the Hispanic uh, immigration population usually take on um, lower paying jobs. They're very frugal. I, I never met, you know, I have a lot of Hispanic friends here, and they're like the most frugal people I've ever met. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can do a lot with very little. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and then you might, I might get a comment later and it's like, well, yeah, they're using the welfare system. I actually know a very small percentage of illegal immigrants that are using the welfare system. Right. Um, and, they're very hard working. They believe in their faith. You know, they're mm-hmm. not, you know, painted with that broad brush is not everybody coming over with bad. Are there some bad uh, yes. people? Of course. Are there, is there gang activity? Yes. But, but again, all, all that is encouraged most... by the drug war. Right. Now, with the with the drug war, I mean, we could get into that a little bit. Um, bef- before you even get to ending a drug war, the first step in all of this is the federal government legalizing marijuana nationally. That's the first step. Now, some of the arguments that will be made um, is once you legalize marijuana, the cartels and uh, drug dealers are going to switch, obviously, to now you're going to have more heroin on the street. Now you're going to have more meth on the street. The cartel already is changing um, from marijuana over to, because some states have legalized it, and they're already... Uh, you know, their their top cartel guys are business guys, and they're stopping production of marijuana and moving to meth. Meth is coming across the border at a ridiculous rate, and it is a problem. So the question that people have is, well, okay, so you're going to legalize marijuana. They're just going to do a different drug. Now, if you legalize all drugs, 
how do you control and ensure that people are aren't still going to sell their version of the drug? Um, because obviously you uh, legalize all drugs. Now, I think there's a difference, in my opinion, between drug users and drug dealers. Without question, if you are a drug user, you should not go to jail. You need help. You need right. to be treated like a patient who is uh, or somebody who is an alcoholic. I mean, do we throw alcoholics in jail for being alcoholics? No. Yeah. Okay, so why are we throwing people who are addicted to heroin in jail? That's where I fall and say, you know, that needs to stop. Right. The drug dealers is a different game. And before we even have that conversation, we need to stop and let's just get the first thing done. Legalize right. marijuana nationally. It, big pharma sells prescription drugs that are government approved, they give the thumbs up, FDA approved, and they kill people because they take too many, you could overdose. You right. cannot overdose smoking marijuana. I don't care how much marijuana you smoke, you're not gonna, and I'm not a user, I don't advocate it, I don't want my kids doing it, but right. do I think it should be illegal? No, because it, the effects are a lot less dangerous than if you are getting uh, prescribed Vicodin or, uh, or um, you know Percocet. You could die from that. Right. You know, there's warning label all over that, you know? So that's where I fall in the drug, you know, and, and I think in order to get this conversation started, you need to start with the first thing and as the legalization of marijuana nationally. Right. So, I mean, there's countries already that have rolled these, rolled this out. If you go, for example, Portugal, who has rolled out, um, you know, I don't, if I remember correctly, they haven't like legalized all drugs per se, but marijuana is legal and they also have made it uh, decriminalized drug use. Yes, that's, and that's where I would be going. And we've seen a decline in uh, crime and violence and even in addiction because right. now the problem with addiction here in, in the States, right, is if you're addicted to, to drugs, you, you're mostly doing it in a back alley, somewhere hidden, um, and you end up overdosing and die and nobody knew about it, you know, until they find you dead. Mm. Now that drug use is decriminalized in Portugal, people are a, a lot more comfortable coming out mm. and, you know, sharing that they have an issue, a drug issue, because they know they're not going to get right, thrown into jail. Go to jail. So I, I could be on board with uh, 100% to, uh, like you said, um, the users to decriminalize users, uh, 100%. Um, the national debt, okay, uh, 23 trillion glass ceiling's been lifted. Uh, not glass ceiling. Um, what do you call it? Uh, debt ceiling. De yeah, debt ceiling. Glass ceiling. Yeah. I'm thinking of the other thing. Uh, the debt ceiling has been lifted, and they have an endless. I could just spend as much money as I want, and nobody can stop me for the next two years. They increased the military budget by 300 billion dollars over the next two years. Um, what the heck? I mean, if I use my credit card, it gets maxed. Uh, I can't use it anymore. The government just took off that max. Right. Said, Screw you. I'm just going to keep spending. 
that is probably for me personally one of the scariest things because when that bubble bursts we're going to be in some deep deep shit um because look at greece look what happened with greece people couldn't get their money out of uh, an ATM machine, banks closed, the pensions stopped coming in. I mean, right. this is all connected to that. The, if the national debt bursts, everybody's affected by this. Well, and I mean, it's simple. It's because the government is not the one paying for it. It's like if I had a credit card and it's in my parents' name and mm-hmm. I just keep spending it, spending and spending it, you know, it's in my parents' name. I, I, I'm... I don't have to necessarily pay for it. It's going to be right. on my on my parents. So for the government, it's kind of the same thing, right? Uh, they they keep raising this uh, debt ceiling. They keep raising it and keep raising it. They're not paying for it. Who's right. paying for it? The taxpayer. Um, and we have this uh, very um, generous bank called the Fed that just keeps printing you, money. You know? Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> Which they're talking about how the the uh, dollar is the strongest it's ever been, but then it hurts the economy. Here's here's my thing. When we elect these people to represent us in Congress, Congress holds the power of the purse. They are in charge of allocating spending. Period. Right. The president can't get nothing done without Congress because they hold the power of the purse. That's the whole point of the balance of power between the president and then. Uh, the House and the Senate, and then you have the judicial branch. So those three branches, okay, are supposed to keep an even balance. That's right. why they gave Congress, because those are supposed to be the closest to the people. The people elect them to represent them in their community. The president right. runs the country, but th- these people represent the community they come from. Some of these Congress members have not been to their community in about 20, 30 years, i.e. Nancy Pelosi or... Uh, you know, I mean, it's ridiculous, but these are the people that are making the decisions. So, you know, why are we not waking up and saying, why do we keep electing these people in? Is term limits a way to help rein in these politicians um, and control the spending? Uh, I think so. But we also have seen that term limits haven't really helped that much unless we can get a third party fourth party fifth party in there because at the end of the day every candidate that belongs to the republican party or belongs to the democratic party they're just going to do whatever the party asks them to do regardless um mm-hmm. you know well, like if I say, they get elected i i'm a first term congressman congratulations we supported you awesome um here's the script this is where you read from do not go off script or we will burn you. Okay? Exactly. <laughs> That's what happens. Okay. And Justin Amash is a clear example of that. He didn't want to stay on script. And then they said, because the rest of the Tea Party members all of a sudden disappeared. Right. He was like the last man standing. And now we're on the, uh, uh, the Trump Republican team. And sorry, buddy, you're not on board. Peace out. You got to go. That's sure. what happens. So, yeah. So ter- term limits is not going to do anything for that. Uh, unless we can start, you know, electing other parties, because then they'll have a reason to, um, like you said, you know, come off that script. Uh, now they are kind of forced to, um, you know, represent the people and not the party, because now they have competition. Mm-hmm. 
I think that the people who run for these offices, when you don't have a term limit for me, this is just my opinion. And listen, I, I, I respect yours, and I, you know, like I, it's an open floor plan. I love right. you know conversations Absolutely. about it. I like to be able to talk about it, and not say, "Oh, I hate you because you right. disagree with me," <laughs> which is what happens now. Uh, so my idea is that. Like, for example, here in New York, we have Chuck Schumer. He's been there for like 20-some-plus years. And then you have in Kentucky, you have uh, Mitch McConnell, okay? Another 20-plus years. They are two of the most corrupted people with so much influence of what – they write the script for their parties, okay? Mm -hmm. They write – they're the ones that say, you're going to follow this, and this is how it goes. So for me, having that power is almost – more, I believe, more corrupt than the presidential office because the presidential office, eight years are out, somebody else from another party, or you know, it's going to be somebody else regardless. There, there is nobody else because until Chuck Schumer decides he's going to retire, he's going to maintain that Senate seat no matter right. what. That's where I get because now it's like everybody who keeps feeding him money to keep him in office, what favors do they get in return? What is right. you know what I'm saying? So there's that whole pay for play, and I, I it's done very calculated and very quietly, but it happens. You know this is why yes. these people are able to maintain their power and feed the money machine to the party. So that's why I stand with the whole term. Why I think term limits should be. It could be like 20 years as a term limit or 10 years. I'm not given a specific number. Right. But I feel like some sort of cap to say you know what at some point you're going to have to go. And get some fresh. Now, the other argument would be, well, look, if we have term limits, then you're going to get a bunch of people like AOC and uh, you know uh, Omar and who are the new socialists, which we'll get to with finish up with the socialist uh, party now. Uh, but that's the new <laughs> party. So, so we want more of those people to risk giving them some, some seats. So kind of like Chuck Schumer is still kind of keeping the Democratic Party alive just a little bit, you know? Right. That would be the counter-argument, I guess. Um, the trade war that Trump is going uh, against China, okay? It's, it, it's, it's, a fa it's gonna hit us at some point. You see the market right. is very unstable right now. The market's going up. I'm losing a ton of money these last two weeks. I'm, <laughs> my, I'm looking at my freaking, my uh, IRA, uh, 401k, I'm like, what the hell's going on? Right. Uh, so that's something that we need to keep an eye on, this trade war. Uh, there should be no tariffs, period. It should be open free no. trade, in my eyes. It hurts nobody but the consumer. The jobs, yes, but you know what? There's still going to be jobs here. Um, how do you feel about this trade war? See, so during uh, the elections, the 2016 elections, I kind of saw this coming. It was so funny because I was talking to a libertarian friend, and, uh, you know, I voted for Gary Johnson, even though I, I didn't think that, you know, he was going to win. Anyways, but I principle. felt that all about principle. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I had a, another friend who was also a libertarian, and he ended up going for Trump. He's like, "Well, you know, Trump is a businessman. He believes in free trade, and this guy doesn't believe in free trade. Mm -hmm. It's obvious with this trade war. Uh, he has everybody saying, oh, he's such a great businessman. He knows how to, to negotiate. He obviously doesn't know how to negotiate.'" Uh, everything that I've learned from negotiation and uh, is when you try to uh, strike a deal with somebody, it has to be win-win. Mm -hmm. And he's not out for the win-win. 
I think he's out for power. It's yes. a power. It's a power trip for him because it's my way or no other way. Right. So if, if I think that we're going to do Terrace and we're going to win, he's really, really, he does not like to lose. And that could be good and it could be really bad. And this is where it could be really bad because if he doesn't, if he doesn't, you know, watch well, him. And tariffs is just another form of tax. Right. It's another taxation. Yeah. Uh, and it's not on the Chinese. Uh, the Chinese can care less about these tariffs because at the end of the day, we're the ones paying for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're yeah. going to make their money regardless in the importation. We, the prices of whatever they're importing is just going to rise. Right. And we're the ones paying for it. So, and who gets a benefit from all that? Well, the government. Well, think about this. Us. Subsidies. Right now, we're subsidizing our farmers. The farmers that put them there. Right. So, he's paying them back by saying, here, here's some money. Just vote for me again. Everything's going to be fine. We're going to win. He subsid- So, are we winning? All right. Yeah, we're making money on the tariffs. We are increasing the amount of money we're taking on the tariffs import, but it gets passed down to the consumers, so the consumers pay more money. And now our farmers need to be bailed out, so now we're taking some of that money that we're supposed to be making and bailing them out. So are we really willing? Is it worth the fight? I don't know. Um, you know, I, I think that tariffs are a terrible idea to begin with. I wish there was no tariffs. It should be open. I should be able to decide i own a business and i should go to china and i decide all right we're going to conduct business let's do you know i give you this product you give me this in return and that's that why should people in government say uh you can't do that deal without paying me that's what that is who are you i i went and i worked up to become the ceo of my company and I started this company and I want to do business overseas. Who are you to take my money with that comes in return? You know, and that's how I, you know, look at it. You think about it, you start a business and you you work real hard and you find a way to import some goods and then the government takes, you know, some of your, some of your profits. And then what are you going to do? You're going to increase the prices to sell it to them to make up for the loss. It doesn't work. And it's never worked. Free trade works it's just such a very well balanced very well coordinated thing between society um when i'm able to just go to a person and say hey i I want a dozen eggs and i'll trade you those dozen eggs for a pound of sugar that's a win-win Mm-hmm. Right. You get I get eggs, you get sugar. Now you can use your eggs and sugar and you can go trade with somebody for flour and now you can make cakes and now you're making a cake business. Mm-hmm. Right. And it just grows that way through free trade. People are so terrified. I talk to a lot of people and they're like, well, you know, if you have the no regulation, these big corporations are going to go to China and hire, um, you know, uh, cheaper labor and it takes away jobs from Americans. I don't see it that way. I see it as now there's a bigger opportunity for somebody to step in and create another business and give jobs to Americans if that big corporation mm-hmm. decides to go away and now it just opened up the market, right? right. So we just continue, it's just this 
domino effect with free trade. Once government steps in and starts putting all these regulations, it really limits on what somebody can do and the innovation that they can create. Right. It doesn't help. Like I, I always do this. I always say, here's an iPhone. Government didn't create that iPhone. Innovation, an inventor, somebody, you know, built this iPhone, not government. Government slows down innovation, slows it down by taking away resources and, and capital that could be used to expand a business, to expand ideas. So uh, this, this trade war, um, I hope it doesn't destroy my uh, retirement account and everything else, you know. Uh, right. And plus, uh, you know, every once in a while, I like going to, you know, Target or Walmart and getting some cheaper goods. <laughs> right. Um, save some money. So um, I want to talk about and wrap up with this, uh, the death of the Democratic Party and the rise of socialism, okay? I have seen over these last, uh, and I don't know if it started with Trump, I think it started before, but Trump getting elected only sped up the rise of socialism. Because we saw the Democratic Party was not ready in 2016 to allow Bernie Sanders to be their candidate. They stole his nomination and gave it right. to Hillary Clinton. Emails, they're talking about, you know, basically the, the, the these superdelegates is the most corrupt thing I've ever seen when it comes right. to nominating a candidate. I mean, yes, I get it's their party, their rules, but God, I mean, it's so open. I mean, superdelegates, they don't have to align with a the voter. They just pick right. whatever the party says, and that gives them the votes. So that, to me, was crazy. And I can't wait to see what happens this round. I mean, I already could see them picking their their Pick, they're going to pick their favorite. Uh, it's yeah, Joe yeah. Biden now, but at some point they may shift and pick somebody else. Whoever they want gets elected. Um, so I think Trump sped up the rise of socialism. Uh, Definitely. You know, well, he, he sped up the rise. I mean, there was radicalism before, but he really kind of uh, cannon shot radicalism, right. I guess. Uh, which made the other side say, okay, well, now we have to do the same thing. And just, it became this radical competition. It's almost like it was a perfect recipe. I mean, think yes. about this. Like, they were just waiting for some rich business guy with money and real cockiness to him, real, like, pro-America, pro I'm the best, we're the best, and screw everybody else, and it's my way, the highway kind of guy to come around and say, that's our opening. Get every socialist out there to campaign. Right. We're going to get people elected based on this guy who's running around, you know? And it happened in 2018. 2018, you saw a drastic change in the Democratic Party. Oh, yes. They are just waiting you, the old generation to die out, in my right. eyes. Do you think uh, by chance that was done all on purpose? You think maybe the Democratic or the socialists um, put Trump there to? Now you get, now you're turning this into an Alex Alex Jones podcast now. Right. Um, <laughs> listen, I'm not saying I believe that. No, but, no, but listen, yeah. there's always some sort of plan behind the doors. I've right. seen, uh, you know, it, these guys. I don't, I don't trust any of them. I mean, I feel like some people run to for good intentions initially, but there's some behind the scenes puppet master that when you get in there, it's 
Yeah. Like I said, here's your script. Don't fall off the script or you're screwed. And okay. who knows? Who knows? It could be. I think, uh, uh, you know, once uh, you get into, if you, you know, run for president and you get elected, I heard this before somewhere, they, uh, they'll they sit you in a room and they'll play the clip of JFK's uh, assassination and, you know, you're like, that, if that you don't happen. do what we say, this is what's going to happen. Yeah, you know? that, that JFK thing is uh, the deep state is, you know, what I, I call it. And, and a lot of people say, you know, the deep state is definitely, to me, legit. We better be careful. We, you know, this could get intercepted. <laughs> uh, no, but, uh, you know, the deep state is, uh, look at the Epstein. That guy yes. has so much dirt and so many powerful people. Princes and from other countries and politicians and don't tell me he decided all you know that guy had so had the deal of the century he was holding for just in case I got locked up yeah I got something to get me out I mean people signed over their properties to this guy exactly yeah it's just so blatantly obvious you know it just surprises me that anybody can look at that and be like. No, I don't think that, you know, they killed him off. I just, it's, it's just so obvious. And, uh, you know, but I can't say, you know, I'm not, I wasn't there. So I don't know what the evidence yeah. are. It's you know. to, it's to, I wish, I wish I knew, I wish I had access to see what the heck they know. Um, and I wish I had access to a bunch of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, so wrap up and tell us with your new venture pace and freedom okay it's uh you're recording and uh was it once a week uh how, how yeah so uh, i'm doing it once a week uh a new episode every monday i'm trying to work out the whole schedule with not letting it uh my drill weekends affect that uh i'm trying to get a, a few episodes pre-recorded ahead of time so that way i'm mm -hmm. kind of more advanced so it, it'll get it'll be where it's going to be every monday and um uh, I have a pretty cool lineup coming up. Uh, I, I have um, Megan Fox coming on. You had her also a couple of times, so I'm pretty excited about that. She uh, she, she is a, a real joy. She's awesome. She's really good. She's so into... With our exchanges over email, I, I, I can already tell that she's just an awesome person to talk to yep. and have a conversation with. Yep. And uh, I have uh, Andrew McLaren also coming on. Uh, he's a uh, television actor. He's running for uh, mayor, and uh, and I always screw, and I apologize ahead of time for the people from this city. I always screw up the pronunciation of it. Uh, Chi is that I, in Tennessee? Yes. Uh, I, I I know what you talk. Yeah, I can't think of the name. Yeah, and uh, I will also. So I I'm trying to look for interesting characters out here. Actually, I just got uh, contacted today by the uh, one of the candidates from the Green Party. So I'm trying to get um, solidify that schedule. So that will be pretty neat. And diversify. Again, it's all about having a conversation. And I hope that you exactly keep that mindset. Like I I get mostly libertarians because libertarians are always looking to get out and speak, and the main media don't cover them. I reach out to conservatives. I've sent to Democrats. You know, I get conservatives and Republicans on. Democrats, not so much. Um, but I'm open to it. I would, I, I'm not here to bash anybody. That exactly. doesn't help the cause. The, the idea is to have a discussion. Me and you are, could disagree. Let's just talk about it. 
Maybe right. we'll change a view or two, but we don't have to. It's cool if we don't. As long as we could take a walk after, grab a beer, not a big deal. Right. You know, that's that's how it should be. And that's why this platform's here. And that's why they exactly. use it for. And and, and that's cool. You they know, do invite the Green Party. Not... People go, oh, my God, what kind of right. libertarian would have a Green Party? Well, Larry exactly. Sharp just had on uh, Howie Hawkins, uh, the presidential candidate for the Green Party. Who cares? Talk about it. You got to talk. Right. Otherwise, nothing gets done. And, you know, I'm I know that I'm I'm fairly new in the podcasting world. You know, I, I it's. A new um, idea. Well, it's not really a new idea, but I mean, it's an idea that I think more and more podcasters are getting more comfortable with to have discussions. Um, but and this is not to criticize any other podcaster, but we need to get away from this um, idea of being in an echo chamber and mm -hmm. just you know listening to yourself talk and you know having people that agree exactly what you say or believe in. Be the only listeners to listen to you because we're not going to be able to win over anybody that way. Uh, you have to have that discussion. You have to have that open forum to work things out. And I, I'm a, a huge believer in leading by example. And I think that once people see that, you know, we truly believe in defending everybody's liberties, no matter what your belief is, mm -hmm. we'll we'll defend that your the liberty for you to believe in what you believe in. If you want to be a socialist, we'll defend you wanting to be a socialist, but you'll do it in your own like property or you do it in your own local, right. you know, um, government. And you know, it's your right. You right. know, if you can get a community Listen. together and say, hey, we want to be a communist community and we want to live that way, you know. Right. Yeah. You want to turn right. your town into it. That's your own, you know, just don't force other people to do it. You know, exactly. That's how you want to live your life. Um, you know, as a veteran, and you would know this, we didn't like sign the paper saying we're only going to defend these people or this group of people or people who believe right. in this. It's everybody in this country, regardless of what you believe in. And I exactly. firmly believe that, you know, that's why we serve. Um, and, you know, that that's awesome. I'm glad that you're keeping an open mind and uh, allowing people from different parties and different beliefs to come on and on your show. And that's that's awesome. And, uh, you know, I, I challenge any Democrats to come on the show. Uh, uh, we're not here to bash you. I, I'll, I'll, you know, I swear I'm just going to ask questions to listen to you and, and to maybe debate a few things. But, hey, it's going to be friendly. So right. uh, I recommend that. So I just want to remind everybody who's listening to this podcast to subscribe. Hit the subscribe button. If you're watching this on YouTube, we have the YouTube channel up. Uh, just hit the subscribe bell. Uh, it's free. It doesn't cost nothing. Uh, same thing with the iTunes. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public. Uh, subscribe to all the shows. Uh, Anchor. Anchor is the platform I utilize to create the podcast. Um, what app, what do you use? You use something I haven't seen. Uh, what, 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 uh, Messy. Messy. So that's a new one. Um, jump on these, uh, you know, and subscribe to these shows. I encourage you to join James Pace in the Pace and Freedom podcast and subscribe to his show as well. Um, he's going to have some great guests coming up. And he, that, uh, you know, I'm going to tune in for that Green Party guest. I want to hear uh, you talk to uh, that guest. I don't know if it's him or her, but whoever it is. Uh, and, you know, that, that, that's cool. I'm, I'm going to tune in for that one. So uh, subscribe to his podcast, Pace and Freedom. Subscribe to this one, America Liberty. Go to my Facebook page at America Liberty Podcast and uh, like the page so you can keep up to date. I put all the episodes up there. I'm starting to 
uh, figure out the live stream to Facebook. I'm also on Twitter at Kev Wormhold, and we now have the American Liberty Podcast uh, Twitter handle at American Liber Eleven. That is the shitty name that Twitter gave me. <laughs> I, I have no control over that. I am sorry. So at American uh, Liberty, follow us and thanks. I want to thank uh, James for coming on. It was a great episode. We had some great discussions, and this so, is what thank it's you about. For having me on. Have an open discussion, discussing, get the word out there, and keep doing what you're doing. It's a long game, uh, this podcast thing. I've, I've learned. I've noticed, though, since I kept going and I didn't quit, they are climbing the numbers. So keep uh, keep going. Don't you know? It's a long game. So thank Absolutely. you for coming on, my thank friend. You. I appreciate it, and I will uh, talk to you soon. Sounds good. Oh, you know, man, oh, you know, man, oh, you know, man.